Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. There is some news happening today. Maybe poetry is not at the top of your mind. But as William Carlos Williams once wrote, it is difficult to get the news from poems, yet men die miserably every day for lack of what is found there. And today, we've got a crew of poets with us this morning to celebrate the beginning of National Poetry Month and to talk about all that is found in their work. They're part of a generation of California poets that engages with this living world's realities and wants to push even further into places where poetry has not yet permeated. As San Francisco Poet Laureate Tongo Eisen Martin laid out his goal, we're talking about the need for poetry after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I have always loved the concept of a poet laureate. Like, yes, every city and state and nation should have a bard, a word person, someone to protect the heart of the city and sing its songs, especially in these strange times of massive change, expected as well as chaotic. So to start out today's celebration of National Poetry Month, we have two local poet laureates, Representing San Francisco, we have Tongo Eisenmartin. Welcome. Right on, right on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And we have Odele Nzinga, who is the artistic director of the Lower Bottom Players and Oakland's inaugural Poet Laureate. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, we should start out with a poem, and Tongo, I think the honor is going to you uh, to kick us off here. I got you. Uh, these societies wander together like hopeful drops of a virus. Citizen testaments bent on offering me, a nation of breadwinners to hold me back like it's a Brinks. I wrinkle the concrete sometimes like flesh. My Martin Luther King permanence turned away from a podium into the reeds like God is the dangerous twin. Black August to the mountaintop balcony on my bedroom floor, you know they um steal you from the earth itself and suspend you and your broken neck from their foolish euphoria. From the loyalty of their great superstition, loyalty of their agrarian reform, I returned to my mother completely disrespected. For peeling the heat off of purgatory, they killed poets like me. Walked me away from my poems, never to be heard from again. In this final industrial complex, the bloodlines picked over, picked through a sport and spiritual death of your devil, at least half-made police become a pretty word. I'm reading a lynch mob shoestrings like they were tea leaves, teaching you how to write about cities. It's the 25th century in the mirror, people. Tyranny against your chump chains. You're a chump to be mocked even with a gun in your car. A cubit of needlework spelled tune for the proletariat, the relapse ministry. 
Talented people curled up in a fetal position next to a diamond dying. Just another service day in the theatrics of tea house fascism and a bouquet of surveillance cameras in the poverty of God. New blue eyes. Corpses of water. A newly potted presidency. And one big shiny coin if you ask an animated capitalism and other non-literal voids killing his white freedom. The deification of hyphens. Medicine bread and picture shows. Great protesters in L.A. Guests of our ink drop kicking rose in the graveyard. D.C. mink like a stone torn in half. The pen advances. Despite CIA guideposts. Despite non-African past and futures. A metaphorical but not surreal day in a horn-ridden life. Horn player improvising king. Like a radio prize fight featuring Shango himself. A real hand sweeps the land of racism. May I return to the ground? May I make progress with the gun? On our mother Emmanuel, they put on music that evening. A swinging tight body language for you to drink with fermented $5 bills. For your body language, some applause, my past stomach lining. Neither a good thing nor a bad thing, like being psychic on the way to a lethal injection. It'll sit you down with Lady Day. Lady Day leading youth who surrendered their souls to Africa too soon. Polly thought floating in a cup of water, she saved me. Accessing my stomach, accessing the love of the American lynched. Coast sleeves wood and avalanche into the wrist, our mother Emmanuel. Avalanche into the sharp keys, pain, the deal you make with pain. A piano makes sense for them, laying hands on the world gradually, addressing the bending necks on the streets of the north, traveling sailing in pain, repeating pain in the north, ten trigger fingers on that piano if harmony would have me, putting a hundred fights on every direction, off of the lady day, leaning on trees again, recruiting the countryside itself, saying, um, lay your planet on this lightning, make your poems a corner pocket of men. I greeted the blues itself. America may clean my dead body, but will never include me. There goes the poet, killing without killing. Never mind this little painting of your language. May I be a meaningful lynching, a crow's passing, good and dead by the afternoon. Thank you. Mm, that was Tongo Eisen Martin. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your recitation style, right? I mean, you're not reading. You right. are going from memory. Yes, yes. Um, so so it's, it's really, it's almost selfishly, is the best way for me to kind of experience uh, the realities of the poem and almost dissolve the situation. So instead of performing the situation, the meditation is really just to kind of put your mind uh, or give your mind the task of facilitating line and energy exactly where they are, exactly where the train of thought is exactly where the, the kind of sensations are one kind of second at a time. And so I'm able to just uh, basically reset myself a thousand times in order to do right by that, um, mm -hmm. that task. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is from, is from memory. But you me. write it out line break by line break. Yes. And then you find slowly. the rhythm like within that. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> wow. Um, I would why don't we give the audience this a, a brief introduction to you? Um, you're because you're not just a poet; you do a whole bunch of things. That's true. <laughs> what are what are the other kind of forms of your art? I am what they call multi-hyphenated. I write other things besides poetry. I am a poet, as someone said last night, with a capital P. <laughs> I am also a an activist who is interested in grassroots policy making. I'm a director, I'm an actress, I produce theater. It's a longer list, we could keep going if you want. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I, you know, I was watching a conversation that Tongo had with uh, Sonia Sanchez um, at the Museum of African Diaspora, 
And at one point, you know, she talks about being a poet laureate. She says that she was told by Philadelphia that they wanted her to be the poet laureate because she was the, quote, like, conscience of the city. Mm. And then she noticed that, like, it's a hell of a thing to be the conscience of a city. And I was wondering, Adela, let's start with you. I was wondering how you relate to this task. Do you see yourself as sort of the conscience of the city? Do you see yourself as something else? See myself as the news, um, the truth, like a, a jazz tune is the truth. I am more, I think, a heartbeat than um, anything else. It is my honor to distill the story of the moment and my challenge to be brave enough to actually articulate it as I see it. Tongo, do you see that as your same task, or do you feel like you you relate to it? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's all of the above, and and always um, kind of evolving. I, I think when you, like, you know, it, it, when everything goes according to plan, <laughs> you <laughs> you 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 really, um, you know, a poem is really kind of the mirror, mm. um, you know, so you can <laughs> take a look if you'd like. Uh, but if you if you uh, you know basically if almost if like if the poet can do enough to dissolve their own personal um, or their own quest for for personal territory, and if they can do enough in a you know in a solid political praxis or really just a, a kind of like live a life uh, for humanization, um, then the poems uh, uh, kind of take care of themselves or or the. Um, you know the 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 position as you know of of poem as consciousness or or poem as you know uh, truth uh, is uh, is solid. Adelaide, do you want to read for us too? Sure. I am a poet. Language and ideas are my meat and bread, my eye a tool that captures light spilling on the fully dressed fig tree the flight of birds, the wind over grass, the pain in a mother's eyes, the hunger in a child's, the anger in a man's. I listen for the meaning behind the words, waiting for the truth like an off-schedule bus, reflecting, reflecting, reflecting like a mirror, the things that pass through me, living, with the things that will not pass away, but cling stubbornly to life. Myths that crumble when examined. Lies manifest to protect the guilty, the unevenly cut pie. Wolves selling merry-go-round tickets. Law in the land of the lawless. Ugly secrets bandaged by a flag and an anthem. Living in the nation buried deep within the nation. There's another rhythm. A steady rising wave, another drum beating. Real reality lives here, not the story in books, funky, non-commercial, real realness. Like North American Africans dragging 400 years of century, four centuries of history to the White House and dancing on it, demanding freedom and the American way come out to play. It's telling the truth, 
no matter what it sounds like or what they want to hear. It's not caring when they see you and they point that zombie finger and make that high pitch squeak that denotes they have noticed that you are awake, traveling in stealth with the sheep. When wolves smell lions and gorillas, they panic because lions and gorillas can be unruly refusing to be ruled by wolves. They won't ape the story on the news. They are noisy, hard to control, and known for waking sheep. I like lions and apes and sheep that are awake. So for them, I tell the truth. I write the songs and the eulogies, explain the difference between what is and what needs to be. I am their poet eating their pain, transforming it into food for the battle, bandaging the wounds, sucking out the poison, outing wolves, urging them to move forward fearlessly. I am the drum beating, inviting the dance. I am the drum beating, calling the dancer. I am the drum beating. I am the drum. Thank you. Thank you. That was Ayodele Nzinga, Poet Laureate of Oakland, reading North American African Poet. We're also joined by San Francisco's Poet Laureate this morning, Tongo Eisen Martin. We're going to add, actually, even more poets uh, a little bit later in the show. We are celebrating National Poetry Month and talking about the need for poetry today. Um, love that both of you have talked about the poem as a mirror uh, both for society and, and you know, individual people trying to understand their place in the world on a day like today. Love to hear from you. Who are your favorite California poets? and How does poetry show up in your life? Love to hear from you. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more with the poets right after this break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're celebrating the start of National Poetry Month and talking about the need for poetry today with Tongo Eisen Martin, San Francisco Poet Laureate, Iodele Nzinga, 
artistic director with the Lower Bottom Players, an artist and an activist and poet laureate of Oakland. And we'd like to add another poet laureate, this time of California. Welcome, Lee Herrick. Thank you for having me. I also want to say you're also former poet laureate of Fresno. <laughs> Very important, yes. I feel like. Yes. <laughs> um, Lee, do you want to start off uh, giving us another uh, another poem? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, this is titled How Music Stays in the Body. Your body is a song called Birth or First Mother, a miracle that gave birth to another exquisite song. One song raises three boys with a white husband. One song fought an American war overseas. One song leapt from 14 stories high and like a dead bird chattered into the clouds. Most forgot the lyrics to their own bodies or decided to paint abstracts of mountains or moons in the shape of your face. I've been told mothers don't forget the body. I can't remember your face, the shape or story or how you held me the day I was born. So I wrote 1000 poems to survive. I want to sing with you in an open field, a simple room or a quiet bar. I want to hear your opinions about angels. Truth is, angels drink too. So Jew spilled on the halo, white wings sticky with gin, as if any mother could forget the music that left her. You should hear how loudly I sing now. I've become a ballad of wild dreams and coping mechanisms. I can breathe now through any fire. I imagine I got this from him or you, my earthly inheritance, your arms, your sigh, your heavy song. I know all the lyrics. I know all the blood. I know why angels howl into the moonlight. That was Lee Herrick, poet laureate of California readings poem, How Music Stays in the Body. You know, I did want to ask you about this kind of Fresno poetry scene that you're a part of. I've heard you talk about it in other contexts, and for maybe for Bay Area listeners who aren't familiar with it, you could uh, tell us a little bit about how you feel like it works differently out there. Yeah, I think um, Fresno, in, in many ways, is is similar to other um, medium-sized or, or cities or towns in California. Um, I think the Fresno poetry is rooted in immigration and refugee cultures. It's rooted in the agriculture and the sweat. It's, it's rooted in struggle and labor. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the poets, you know, from this area now and, and decades prior embody that just a lot of, um, um, labor and, and honor and history and striving to uh, find one's place. And um, it's, it's a pretty special place to write. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because, I mean, the way you describe it, it's kind of the opposite of poetry. It's kind of a rarefied form, you know, practice in, in ivory towers. And I wonder if as California Poet Laureate, you found yourself going around the state and been like, dang, there are really poets everywhere, <laughs> like in every part of the yeah. state. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's true. I think there's a, a disinterest in pretension in Fresno poetry, you know, but I think some of the poets here could could out accomplish or, you know, accolade or, you know, all the titles. But I just don't know that the Fresno poets are that concerned with with that. But everywhere I've been in in the few months that I was appointed, there has been poetry, uh, obviously, in, in Oakland and San Francisco and Berkeley and L.A. and San Diego. But, you know, remote towns in Northern California I've been to where, you know, the population is maybe two or 3,000 people, but there will be 60 or 70 people who come to the poetry mm. event at the public library of all ages, of all backgrounds. And so it, it's, it's a pretty incredible, uh, wide, expansive place, as you all know. Yeah. It is funny to think about, you know, little 15-year-old Alexis out there deciding uh, he wanted to be a poet. <laughs> you kind of think, like, how did that happen? Uh, mm-hmm. I also grew up in, like, a, a rural place. I mean, there's some, sometimes it's just, uh, it's in people and they, they can't help it. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, want to add another uh, guest to this little celebration here. We have uh, Leticia Del Toro, who's a poet and educator and recently released uh, the collection of poems, All We Are Told Not to Touch. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yeah. I mean, so you are a poet from Crockett, uh, Crockett, California, which some may know as, you know, the CNH Sugar Factory is right there. The bridge is right there. Um, Carquina Strait is right there. How do you think that that shaped your work being from from that place? Well, I was just hearing what Lee had to say about these small towns and Uh, people showing up to poetry readings. And I was definitely from a small town. I think it was maybe population 6,000 when I was growing up. Mm. Um, But we didn't really have poetry readings. There was a cafe (laughs) and a deli, and I had to go to Benicia to go to a poetry reading. Uh, But I think, you know, it has this very industrial feel to it. You know, the Mm -hmm. refinery is this behemoth building, um, in the center of town, but also the straits really, I think, fired my imagination. Living mm. near the water, seeing the boats, and knowing that they were coming from, you know, different different places because it was a port town, and it made me feel somehow, I don't know, romantic or connected <laughs> to the world. So it it made me dream a lot. Yeah. There's something about, for those who haven't been to Crockett, there's also these bocce courts, like in the shadow of the CNH yeah. Sugar Factory. Shout and I've always, for there. some reason, I've always thought about that spot as one of the most romantic places in the Bay. You know, there's something to yeah. it. Yeah. A lot of Italian nostalgia. Yeah. Um, do you want to read us a, a little poem? Or sure. Or a big poem, for that matter? Uh, yeah. Well, this is section one of a poem called Bougainvillea, and it is... Uh, for my brother Martin, who who passed, actually. Mm-hmm. I cut sprays of bougainvillea with a steak knife on my lunch break. Deep azalea and flamenco orange. The vines entangle the iron railing, stretching in garlands that shade the square of the warehouse porch. 
Bougainvillea are free here. Work has imposed a stoicism, fed by coffee, computer screens, anonymous marketing schmooze, and I hide as music vendor, publicity coordinator extraordinaire, the import, export, foreign port, CD cover queen, email teleport, dream, dream on, move on, pretend no one died, hold on to your life where sorries are swift, People whisper and wonder why you're back so soon. On the stairway around one, sun is high, the best time for bougainvillea and quiet. So strong, these branches are thick, these thorns amaze me. I had no idea, all this time I bought roses. Bougainvillea who pose and menace, I am happy now, as they will stay chaste mini Kozo paper lanterns in fuchsia to wave and hang over your name. No one will dare bend down to kiss your grave. Thanks. Mm. That was Leticia Del Toro reading Bougainvillea for her brother Martin, who's uh, recently, she recently released a collection of poems, All We Are Told Not to Touch. We're also joined by Lee Herrick, Poet Laureate of California, Oakland's Poet Laureate, Ayodele Nzinga, and Tongo Eisen Martin, San Francisco's Poet Laureate. Um, love to hear from you. If you've got a, a favorite poem that you turn to, you can give us a call. Tell us about it. The number's 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. or KQED Forum. Um, Tongo, one listener uh, wrote in to um, drop one of your lines. If there's any little boost in my craft, it really comes from a perpetual inquiry. Kind of feel like they might they might have that written down somewhere, maybe. <laughs> right on. Um, so I did want to, and Audelia, let's let's go to you on this one. I mean, on a day like today, you've got this whole carnivalesque atmosphere uh, occurring around the arraignment of a former president, and it's that other kind of news, not the kind of news you were talking about in the in the A segment, um, but that other kind of news of these things happening um, in the world. How do you see your poetry relating to that kind of flow of global events in the world like that? I used to say that that's actually where I got my material from was mm. by watching the nightly news. <laughs> the idea that the news carries the things that we portend interest in, the things that we need to be updated on. Mm -hmm. So those topics still hold my interest, but like I said in the first poem, I, I'm looking for the meaning behind the story and most things are circular. So I'm always interested in telling the story of how we got to a certain place or teasing out the context of the particular moment so that we don't see it in isolation. Mm. So I am influenced by current events but I'm more influenced in how they fit into the slipstream of human existence. Tongo, I feel like you've also been very engaged in current events, particularly on the local side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one, you know, we, I think we have to like kind of come to terms uh, with 
the fact that there is, it, it, I don't know if there ever was, but definitely now not a noble enough profession to save the biosphere. <laughs> uh, and so it's very, it's very important for, you know, everyone, especially the poet, uh, to be engaged in a political, um, in a political praxis and, and really show that, you know, I, I mean, the, the power of poetry as kind of also um, a scaffolding of consciousness or a first step in a liberatory uh, consciousness. And we see that as, you know, you know, kind of as capitalism uh, be, continues to operate in perpetual crisis and uh, state fails over and over and over again, we're going to have to take more, uh, you know, we're going to have to do more to determine uh, reality and organize people or prepare people to, you know, to enter the historical process uh, critically. Uh, for for example, the, um, you know, I actually, you know, I'm the San Francisco poet laureate, but I snuck across the bridge <laughs> to, uh, to to Oakland um, uh, last year uh, to participate in the occupation of Parker Elementary School, which was in resistance to the wave of school closures that were shutting down all of these black and brown um, schools. And, and, you know, it, it I think one of the most beautiful moments I've seen in poetry uh, in the in the or <laughs> during my tenure uh, would be these cultural events that we would have, you know, at this liberated um, school. There's something, there's something just a little sweeter uh, and a, a little bit more uh, alive uh, mm-hmm. about art that's made in an arena where people are determining their their reality. Mm-hmm. You know, Lee Eric, as you have, you know, settled into the the chairs, poet laureate of California. I mean, do you find yourself um, learning this state and maybe even its politics in a new ways? Definitely, and you know, just to to echo what the two poets said before, um, it's inspiring. You know, here here in Fresno. I've been working for about four years to establish a social justice center on, on the Fresno city college campus. You know, one of the things that, that I've always believed is that um, the state in whatever form it takes education, government uh, prisons work through a power structure that benefits from all of us being divided. And so this center, we can hope, um, institutionalizes the idea of equity or rights or dignity. A couple uh, nights ago, I spoke at uh, Valley State Prison, a men's facility here in the Central Valley. And so, yeah, to your question, I am seeing it through that lens. And and I agree with what Tonga was saying. It's, it's, for me, it's some of the most uplifting and inspiring work or opportunities is to hear that kind of poetry from all Californians, whether they're free or not. Um, on another level, I'm seeing it just how large the machine of California is. Mm-hmm. We are around 40 million people. We are 10 million more than the next most populous state, which is Texas. And so to see the government staff, the governor's office, 
um, trying to promote the arts or to do what they can to to have poetry be a part of our civic civic fabric is is a, a view that I haven't seen before. But um, and then last thing I'll say is just what a rush it is to see poets laureate um, doing the work. It's inspiring. <laughs> it's beautiful. Do you feel like, maybe just to your friends even, do you feel like if Governor Newsom does something that people disagree with, are your friends sort of like, hey, man, what's up with Governor Newsom? Do you feel like you have to answer for that? (laughs) Yeah, a a good writer friend down here jokes that um, the next time uh, he and I play golf together, I should mention (laughs) something to him. Of course, I don't even play golf and not not talking with the governor on a regular basis at all, but... um, but it's 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 important, and you know all of these positions. It's interesting because the poet's spirit sometimes can run contrary to power concentrated in government, and so the laureate positions sort of straddle that at times. But what I love is the poets who remember we're poets, and and stay true to that spirit while we have these posts. I mean, Letizia, just listening to Lee talk about how large the machine of California is, I wonder if, like, being from an industrial place, like a, a small industrial city like Crockett, that that has always kind of been at the forefront of your consciousness as you're trying to write about the world? Well, I think um, it certainly imprinted me in a certain way. You know, my dad was a, a laborer, a brick maker, actually. Um, my brother was a welder. Um you know, I have brother-in-laws that worked at the Mare Island shipyard. Mm. So there was always this sense of, yes, what what is what is the daily life of the people that are out there working? So I do think there are a lot of themes about working class and not having enough money or having the, you know, the trajectory of immigration. All of that mm. has impacted my writing and my poems and it still comes through and i think even even now as a working professional i also write about okay motherhood and working how does that fit in um so i think a lot of my poems are centered around that now how how is that balance and i think also Hold on, hold that thought for one sec. We're going to take a quick break. We're celebrating the start of National Poetry Month with a great crew of poets. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're celebrating the start of National Poetry Month, and we're joined by some wonderful poets this morning. We've got Ayodele Nzinga, Poet Laureate of Oakland, Tongo Eisen-Martin, San Francisco Poet Laureate, Lee Herrick, Poet Laureate of uh, California, and former Poet Laureate of Fresno. We also have Leticia Del Toro, who is a poet and educator, recently released a collection of poems, All We Are Told Not to Touch. And right before the break, Leticia, you were uh, finishing up a thought on kind of labor and motherhood and the way that your poetry is kind of trying to explore that intersection. Yes. So I was just thinking that uh, circumstances sometimes rob us of our voices. Uh, sometimes we're too uh, busy, you know, out out getting a paycheck uh, to express ourselves or be involved in the arts or respond to things in the world. And I think for me, poetry has been a place where I could respond to events um, on a national scale or in a, on a local level. So I've written about things like Ayotzinapa in Mexico mm -hmm. and the immigrants, um, the refugees, you know, coming coming into Italy and the tragedies that happen in Lampedusa, because I think as a daughter of an immigrant, you know, my my father came here from Mexico, rural Jalisco, that I always make those connections. And I I am seeing what's happening out in the world and other nations. And I try and bring it back to, you know, my father's journey. So uh, that's very much present for me. And I think as a teacher, you know, working in, in high schools, that I'm also very occupied. And for me, poetry was just my lifeline, really, my go-to space for um, commentary in the world and experiencing and distilling all of these uh, events that happened around us. So it's been a real like do you feel like your students have that same sensibility or do you feel like that the sort of proliferation of prospective creative outlets for them has changed the way that they see even what poetry is? Uh, well, I think a few of them do. A few of them find their way to it. There's these, you know, diamonds in the rough out there that are discovering poetry. But I think uh, the curriculum overall in English language arts has drifted away from giving kids opportunities to be creative and have that personal expression. You know, there's a lot of literary analysis and focus on um, expository text. And I feel like kids need a place to just be artistic and write about what's happening in their lives and what's happening with their interiority and not always examining like, you know, the outside critical texts that they need to examine. So uh, I try to work it into my language classes, but it certainly isn't enough. We can always do better. Yeah, for sure. Let's bring in uh, one last poet to join us this morning. Marcelo Hernandez Castillo is uh, joining us this morning. Welcome to the show, Marcelo. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah. Do you want to uh, give us one more poem? Yeah. Um, this is just a poem about my the role of the artist started by, I guess, this quote from Tony St. Bambara about being a cultural worker um, who belongs to an oppressed people. My job is to make revolution irresistible. Um, 
This is a language necessary for anger, but not retaliation. I taught the great quotes of tenderness, like please and morrow and please some less, some more. I understand, I understand so much. Trafficking in temporary consequence, bewilderment, remedy, burn, my imagination that is monastic as in its own silent mythology. Trust me, I'm a specialist. From here forth, you are to replace expensive with the word luminous. My lawyer is luminous. My phone call is luminous. Things will no longer be easy. From here forth, you are to replace easy with grateful. My shower is grateful. My days are grateful. My solitude is grateful. From here forth, you are to replace sorry with please. Please, trees. Please, judge. Please, kids. Sorry. Please. Sorry. I felt safe around your opulent regret. Not an inconvenience, not an ethnography, not a testimony, not a redemption story, not an epiphany, a laundry list, not a proof to a theorem, a circus of inordinate objects. I was told I was valued for my productivity. And Dickinson said to make a prairie, it takes a clover and one bee. One clover, one bee, and reverie. And somewhere it says forever and forever, I future your grief. I plant the seed and prosper. One clover, one bee, and reverie. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. That was uh, Marcelo Hernandez Castillo reading his poem. I wanted to spend a little bit more time on, on this idea of the, the young people that um, you're working with, Marcelo. I mean, how do you, like, what's your guidance for those young folks as they're diving into poetry or, or maybe not even young folks, just students of, of all ages um, in, you know, coming to this work? Yeah. I mean, I think early on for me, I was conditioned to think of a poem as something that I needed to understand instead of just something that I needed to experience. And so coming to new readers, I tell them, you don't have to understand, and there isn't one way of thinking about this, but just to experience it, whether that's on the level of the image, of just the rhythm, of the pacing. Um, and so I, I, I kind of want to give them the, the ability to not think that quantitative data is the only kind of value in mm in our lives that qualitative um qualitative beauty i think is 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 something on par with stem is something on par with you know a business major or, or um anything like that because yeah. i don't know poems know more than us and i'm okay with that <laughs> um this show really is about you know spreading poetry you know not just this this month is sort of a you know, a peg for it. But I, I'm curious for each of you, and maybe Tango, we'll, we'll start with you. If you could just share, you know, a, a poem or a line of a poem that has stuck with you over time and, and kind of why it's stuck with you. It doesn't have to be your own. I guess it could be your own, but, you know, somebody else maybe. Uh, yeah, there's, um, 
you know, when I was <laughs> when I was a young uh, young whippersnapper, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to end up uh, in a freshman class uh, with these three uh, geniuses, and uh, one of them was a sister named Samira Rahim, and she had this uh, she had this poem about. You know, almost the 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 you know just with running down this this survey course on menstruacy and um, mm-hmm. and all of that uh, you know Confederate projection, but she ended the poem. You know, it's all you know lots of lots of images of of music and 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 dance and and the and the last line of the poem was, uh, "You will not." Here is coming, <laughs> and uh, you know that 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 what what um, I think what what was the um, the big uh, I guess uh, so called takeaway uh, was just almost how like an ancestor can creep up into your pen and creep up into your mouth, you know, <laughs> during the course of uh, making some more and and, uh, and 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 during the course of speaking on uh, you know. On material reality. Yeah. Um, we have some listeners who have also um, sent in some poems. I mean, Gary writes in to say, this is a poem I always come back to, or it always comes back to me, Mary Oliver Wild Geese. It was read at the memorial of a friend who died from suicide and also at my college graduation. Those first lines, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for 100 miles through the desert repenting. Grounds me every time. Uh, Lucille writes in to say, uh, thank you for this lovely conversation. The late Iraqi poet Sadi Youssef wrote, poetry is my daily bread and I want it to be the bread of all people. I feel this sentiment in my bones and have made an effort across my life to share poems with friends, loved ones, and even strangers to convey just how essential and reachable, uh, verse can be. Um, Lee Herrick, do you want to share like a, a line of poetry that, that keeps coming back to you and why? Sure. Uh, one line that, that always stays with me is a line that when I first read it, I didn't understand. And it took me some years to think about and realize what it meant to me. Um, it's, it's not actually from a poem, but it's from um, Audre Lorde's speech that she gave in 1977 at the MLA conference in Chicago. And now it's been extracted and it's on coffee mugs and posters and memes. Um, it's the, the sentence where she states, your silence will not protect you. Mm-hmm. And in her speech, she talks about how finding others like her when she was um, near death or thinking she was dying, her her tribe, that's, that's my term, but... Um, her people, her community, and realized that keeping that thing inside of you can take you over and that silence can be transformed through action. Mm. Of course, it can be transformed through writing and poetry and the arts and dance and music and film. But sometimes just action is enough to transform that silence. And that's made a huge difference in my life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the lines that comes back to me uh, sometimes it's it's Ada Limon from The Hurting Kind and it's her saying 
I am sorry. I have been so reckless with your life. And I feel like the the your is herself to her younger self, but it's also kind of this broader apology to <laughs> all the lives we've been we've been reckless with. Um, mm-hmm. Ayodele, do you want to uh, share a line of poem? Or it could be from a play, too, because I know you're deeply familiar with a lot of them. I already went with the, with the poem. <laughs> okay, sure. Zora Neale, um, if you don't talk about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it, mm. is my line. And I like it because it gives me permission to own the fullness of me. Mm. Um, joy, but also the fullness of my human experience and to be able to say it out loud and have the world hold it. So mm. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, Leticia Del Toro, you want to share a line with us? Yes, I'm going to go with a, a very, very recent poem. And um, the line that I love comes from Suzy Huerta Quesada. And it is uh, braid trailing like a lifeline. And it is a, a powerful poem mm. about uh, the shooting and loss at Uvalde. Mm. And the poem is not an hour after the news about Uvalde's Rob Elementary. It was published in the journal Wisache, which is uh, a very local journal originally published and launched in Texas, but is now uh, being edited out of Davis, California. So she wrote about that tragedy in such a brave and powerful way. And I've just really held on to that poem because it, it was something that I couldn't do in the aftermath of Uvalde. It was go to the writing. And uh, I think we need to face it. I need. To, I think we need to bear witness to so many of these events in our communities. What was it? Braid? What was braid, the braid trailing like trailing. a lifeline. And it's an image of seeing her daughter and the beauty of childhood, but knowing that parents are bereft and that parents have just had this incredible loss. Yeah, absolutely. Marcelo, do you want to share a line with us? I'm loving this, by the way, just so listeners know. We didn't tell them we were doing this. This is just how how poets are. <laughs> they always have some lines that they've been thinking about and, and chewing over. Yeah, I mean, um, I I read with uh, Tango uh, some years ago, and probably probably it was a it was a very small reading, but um, is there something that really stuck with me? Um, not just for a poem person, but a person person. Um, and uh, and I forget the context, but I think that's always a reminder that I'm writing about real people, that I'm writing about real pain and it doesn't just exist on the page but it comes from somewhere so i want to turn it into something and 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 give it back yeah absolutely i mean as you come to the how long are you going to be poet laureate tango do you know Uh, i do not know (laughs) (laughs) how long do you want to be poet laureate how about that I want it for life, sir. <laughs> <laughs> now I think I, I think I come to a close at the end of this year. Um, like, do you think? I mean, you you grew up in that in the city, 
this is a place that you know you've really always been part of. But do you feel like you somehow learned it in a new way, or you learned something different about the city by being in this kind of more formal role as the bard of the city? Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, you know, in this kind of like very violent twilight zone of gentrification, um, it's almost like the entire, uh, you know, the entire landscape uh, is is new. Mm-hmm. Uh, is new for all of us, uh, re- regardless of what kind of mind uh, we we slice it in. But it is a it's, it's very much an honor, just in general, to uh, to be an an artist in a time of epochal shift, where you know the people do have, I think, you know, an opportunity to set things right, to you know, to enter the historical process more um, more critically, um, and so you know, just doing right by our our historical task is. Um, you know, is, is what I'm enjoying. Yeah. Got a few last uh, listener comments coming in here. Uh, listener writes, my favorite poem of all time is poem for the young white man who asked me how I, an intelligent, well-read person, could believe in the war between races. From Emplumada by Lorna D. Cervantes, published close to 40 years ago. I am in awe at how timeless that poem is, such as this line. Every day I am deluged with reminders that this is not my land, and this is my land. Uh, Annie writes in to say, absolutely my favorite poem ever, The Edges of Time by Kay Ryan. I have it hanging on my wall. And we have one uh, poem by Emily Dickinson that somebody sent in, to pile like thunder to its close, then crumble grand away. While everything created hid, this would be poetry or love the two coeval come. We both and neither prove experience either and consume for none see God and live. We have been celebrating the start of National Poetry Month and we have been joined by just the best crew of poets from around the state. Tongo Eisen Martin is San Francisco Poet Laureate. Iodele Nzinga is Poet Laureate of Oakland. Lee Herrick, Poet Laureate of California. Leticia Del Toro, He's a poet and educator, recently released a collection of poems, All We Are Told Not to Touch. We've also been joined by Marcelo Hernandez-Castillo, poet and author of the poetry collection, Senzant, and the memoir, Children of the Land. He also teaches writing at St. Mary's. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum right ahead. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.